So Trinity, for the past five weeks, we've been looking at how we follow Jesus in our day-to-day lives, how we can be what we've been calling everyday missionaries. We've learned about the importance of giving. We've learned about the importance of giving not just financially, but every area of our lives over to God. We've learned about ways we grow together to become fearless, selfless followers of Jesus. And now we're learning about going out, sharing the gospel, and showing others the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. You know, there are some things in life that we do so frequently, they become habit. Really, they become like second nature. Uh, These actions or words just come to us in an instant. like maybe this, O-H. Okay, okay, go blue is is still an appropriate response. Uh, Or maybe this, someone share with me John 3.16. Man, our choir. (sighs) But my personal favorite. Ready? Menomena. Menomena. Right? As is everyone. Okay, anyway. (laughs) For many of us today, the text that was read is second nature. Many of us uh, think when we hear the words, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, in fact, I went online just to scope out what people in general think of the words, the Great Commission, and I went to that highly reliable, always up-to-date page, Wikipedia. Everyone with me? Okay, so Wikipedia is like this site that contains everything about everything you'd want to know, except not many professionals keep it up. The community keeps it up. So if I see an error, I can correct it. Here is what Wikipedia said about the Great Commission. In Christianity, the Great Commission is the instruction of the resurrected Jesus Christ to his disciples to spread his teachings to all the nations of the world. Now, as we think about this, oh, there was more. But wait, the most famous version of the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Where on a mountain in Galilee, Jesus calls on his followers to make disciples and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Going out and making disciples. Living and obeying the Great Commission. This can be a really daunting task. At least it can for me. When we go to fulfill the Great Commission, there are questions that come to mind, like, To whom or who or where are we going? Jesus called Jewish fishermen to follow him. I don't know many of those around in Grove City. Jesus called sinners to follow him. And the sinners that Jesus called, these weren't just people who have done wrong, because we've all done wrong. These were people who could not enter into the temple and worship, or into synagogue and worship with God's people. They were outcast. And then, once we know where we're going, so to the people who aren't here with us this morning, 
We're to go and we are to baptize them. We're called to interact with people outside the church. And honestly, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but I've allowed myself to become uncomfortable with this. Of course, I'm not the only person who is uncomfortable. Um, there are many people who God has said, go, and they said, really? For example, consider Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus had been a religious ruler, and he persecuted the people of the way, Jewish people who were following Christ. The Jewish people um, were fearful of him, and rightly so. But then God spoke to a man named Ananias of Damascus, and God said, hey, Ananias, I am sending Saul of Tarsus your way. And Ananias basically said, really, Lord? Him? God reassured him. Let's read the, the uh, scripture of this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell, fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. I try to imagine what it would have been like to be Ananias, or really any of the disciples who would have welcomed Saul into their home. There had to be a little bit of caution in the back of their mind. But because they were faithful, Saul of Tarsus, who we now know as St. Paul, has spread the gospel throughout the Roman world into all of the world, and especially to the Gentiles. Now, this call to go therefore and make disciples isn't limited just to people who don't like us, okay? It includes people that we might not like. You know the ones I'm talking about. Usually in conversation, you hear them referred to as those people. Everyone, everyone with me? Okay. Those people, when we go out to them, might accept the gospel. And this means our community here might start to look nothing like it does now. When we go out to those people, our enemies or people that we haven't loved for a long time, suddenly 
we find our enemy sitting with us across at the dinner table. You know, this was also an experience of a man named Jonah. God called on him and sent him out to a place called Nineveh. And we read Jonah's experience in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amadai. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, in this passage, we typically focus on Jonah and his rather unwise decision to not go out as God has commanded him. But we rarely think about where it is that Jonah ran to, and we mostly focus on where Jonah ran from. Jonah ran to a city called Tarshish, and Eugene Peterson, a beloved saint, pastor, author, had this to say about Tarshish in one of his works. And why Tarshish? For one thing, it's a lot more exciting than Nineveh. Nineveh was an ancient site with layer after layer of ruin and unhappy history. Going to Nineveh to preach was not a coveted assignment for a Hebrew prophet with good references. But Tarshish was something else. Tarshish was adventure. It's reported in 1 Kings 22 that Solomon's fleet of Tarshish fetched gold, silver, ivory, monkeys, and peacocks. No joke, check it out. In Tarshish, we can have a religious career without having to deal with God. Jonah could go to Tarshish and experience some of the best the world had to offer him and remain a person of God. I imagine that Jonah would much rather stay in a city of comfort and wealth than to take a message warning people of destruction to Nineveh. In fact, Jonah actually despised the people of Nineveh. He did not want to go to those people. Going out to people that we don't like or people who are different than us isn't easy. So in figuring out how to live the Great Commission, we know who we need to go to. And then we need to decide what it means to make disciples and baptize them. What is a disciple? This is easy. A disciple is someone who lives day in and day out according to the teachings of Jesus, who has proclaimed Jesus as Lord and is part of a faith community. Is everyone on board with that? Sound pretty accurate? Okay, good. Here's the thing. People, disciples, cannot follow Jesus if we don't tell them about him. If we never go out and pray with people in the name of Jesus, or share with them how much God has changed our lives, they simply won't be able to become disciples because they haven't heard. And even more than this, the Great Commission says we're supposed to baptize them. Now, we baptize infants, but we also baptize adults who's not, who have not only been told about Jesus, but who have made a profession of faith. Everything that we say in the Apostles' Creed, 
Everything that scripture teaches us about Jesus, they have come to know is true. But baptism goes even further than instruction. Baptism brings them into our community. And when we are in community together, worshiping our God, we become spiritually responsible for raising each other up and encouraging one another. Okay. So the Great Commission. We are sent out to go to people we may or may not like, who may or may not like us. Then we do nice things for them, but we tell them about Jesus. Now, they're probably going to have some questions that we'll have to answer, but eventually our prayer is that the Holy Spirit guides them into the truth, that they receive forgiveness of their sins, and they are baptized. All right, truth time. Who's on board? Right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This terrifies us. And I have to ask myself why. So when we start telling people about God and about who we are, many times we begin in a place in Scripture about our mistake. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, who have been instructed by God to not eat this fruit from this one tree or else they're going to die, doubt God and eat the fruit anyway, seeking to be like him. After that, sin enters the world because suddenly we, can, we know right from wrong, and when you know right from wrong, you can choose wrong. But then God puts into action this plan to forgive us for our sins and restore us and bring us into relationship with him. But here's the thing. That's all true. It's all accurate. But it begins in the wrong place. When you begin the story of God in Genesis 1, everything changes. In Genesis chapter 1, we learn that God has created the world, and it is good. And God created us and created us good. And then God placed humankind in a garden and dwelt with them. They were his people. He was their God. There was no barrier between people and God like there is now. And then we messed up. But God is always working to bring us back into that relationship, to restore the earth, to make it so that we can live with him just like Adam and Eve did. That's the gospel. And it sounds a little different than starting with chapter 3. So, maybe there's somewhere different to begin with the Great Commission. We start with Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, my home church pastor always said, if there's a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. Everyone heard this? So anytime you start with a verse that says therefore, you've missed something. The Great Commission actually begins before this. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All authority has been given to me. There is no place that we can't go where Jesus isn't already in charge. Whether we are going out to a people who might reject us, or whether we are going out to a people that we have already rejected. There are no people on this earth that we can speak to who someday won't bow and say Jesus is Lord. That's where we are all headed. It's true this world is broken and being sent out can be scary. But it is true that Jesus is Lord and Jesus already has victory over everything that threatens to destroy us. Fear, violence, and even death. And that is good news worth sharing. A life without fear, a life without the fear of death, and honestly, when we're going out and sharing this good news, it doesn't even matter how people respond to us because Jesus is still Lord. And the people we consider our enemies? Well, we were once enemies of God, but that didn't stop Jesus from dying on a cross or from rising from the grave and extending God's love and grace to us. Jesus was Lord when we were God's enemy, and Jesus is Lord now that we aren't. If we have this grace and mercy, I'm not sure how we can't share it. Trinity, this is the call. Jesus is Lord. All authority has been given to him. And when we go share this with others, Jesus goes with us every single time. Will people think we're strange? I mean, people already think I'm strange, but maybe, maybe people will think we're strange. Are we going to be called somewhere we don't want to go? Probably. Will Jesus still be Lord? Yes. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So when we go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything Jesus commanded, Jesus is with us always to the end. Trinity, in celebration of this good news, I invite you to stand and worship God together with our final hymn.